0: This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3719 for Thursday, the 3rd of November 2022. Today's show is entitled HPR News. It is hosted by some guy on the internet and is about 10 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is InfoSec, the language of security. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. I'm your host, some guy on the internet. I've made some adjustments to the news with Scotty, and I'm going to be calling it HPR News. That way, it's a little bit more in line with the branding. It's still early days, and I'll be making more adjustments to it, trying to figure out what feels good and whatnot. But this segment, I'll call Infosec: The Language of Security. Our first topic: Typo squatting. What is squatting and how do scammers use it? The attack known as squatting uses modified or misspelled domain names to trick users into visiting fraudulent websites. The heart of this attack is domain name registration. Attackers will employ squatting to defraud users by mimicking login pages, redirecting users to fraudulent websites, then downloading malware, and then eventually following up the attack with extortion or theft. In a previous episode, my co-host and I, Archer72, had a discussion on typosquatting. I forgot to post a few links in that show giving some examples of it, but we discussed it in certain libraries like Rust libraries, the Rust crates that were affected by squatting, Also, the Python libraries that were affected by squatting. Here, I've provided those examples down below. I've done this to inform the user that squatting isn't just posting a fraudulent domain to trick you into revealing your credentials so that the attacker can defraud you but also if you're a developer, someone who codes for a living. Attackers normally target popular coding libraries because if they can fool the developer, the developer will then pass the attack on to the users. So as you read through the articles below, I don't want you to think that these languages are unsafe to use because of these attacks, but I want you to understand that the attacks are gonna happen no matter what, no matter where you are online, The attacks will be present. Fortunately for you, there's some guy on the internet providing you with solutions that can help you fight typo squatting. In my personal experience, a good security-focused font like the Ubuntu font family is perfect for fighting typo squatting. Think of a security-focused font as a font with the least amount of indistinguishable characters. What I mean by this is... Some fonts will use the same character model for multiple characters where the character data is different, but the model is identical to other characters. For example, if you have an iPhone, open your phone, go to a web browser, or just pull up the keyboard and type in lowercase l, capital I, you'll notice that both characters look identical. In other fonts, like the Liberation Sans font, If you open up LibreOffice and just type in a lowercase l and a capital I, highlight and change the font to Liberation Sans, the models are technically different, but visually, you can be tricked into believing they're the same model because they're slightly different. Attackers rely on this resemblance in order to prey on users. Another method of fighting against typosquatting is using checksums. Checksums will allow users to check the integrity of a file once downloaded. So, even if the file appears to be the exact file and it looks and spells the same, if it's been modified in any way passed with the developer who originally created it or packaged the file, it will show up in the checksum. Most freedom-based operating systems like Linux and BSD comes with this capability built-in. So, you basically open up a terminal, generate the file's hash, compare it with what the developer told you it should be from the website or wherever, and if it matches, it's good. If it doesn't, it's probably been tampered with. When combating typo squatting with websites, DNS is also a very good measure. Setting up Pi Hole is basically the extent of my knowledge on DNS, so you may want to check some other articles if you wish to self host your own DNS. But Pihole has some wonderful documentation available for everyone. There's also some great websites out there like DNS Twister Report and Whois Lookup that are great for identifying fraudulent websites. For example, if you go on DNS Twister Report, type in Bitwarden, it'll give you a list of just fraudulent websites that typo squatters are using to try and trick users into, you know, giving up their credentials to their password vaults. Using a tool like DNS Twister Report is a very good practice for users. You'll learn more about the common squatting techniques used against you by visiting DNS Twister and just looking up certain websites that you visit frequently. The Whois lookup is also very important because a lot of these businesses like the legitimate ones will register their websites for multiple years, th- I mean the DNS registration for multiple years. But a fraudulent website normally only registers for like one year. Having only one year's registration time isn't enough to call you a fraud, but it's something to look out for. Self-hosting your own DNS may even give you the ability to use like community-based block lists, something like CrowdSec. Now last but not least, your password manager is your best friend when fighting against squatting because you store the valid links in the password manager so you never have to worry about misspelling a link. You'll have the valid link, the credentials, and two-factor all in the password manager. That takes us directly into the next topic, two-factor and multi-factor authentication. First, let's talk about authentication. This is the process of verifying the validity of something, usually your username and password. Having this alone is just called single-factor authentication, and it's not enough to stop attackers this day and age. Two-factor authentication increases the difficulty for attackers by providing users with an additional layer of security to accomplish authentication. So you will have the first factor, or single factor, which is the username and password, Followed by the second factor of a TOTP or OTP, which is the one-time password, that six-digit code that you normally get sent to you, either by SMS or email or however you receive it. Your Authenticator apps will also help you with TOTP, so Bitwarden, XC, etc., they'll help you with TOTP codes as well. And security keys, like YubiKey. In short, 2FA works a lot like going to an ATM. You have your bank card and your ATM pin, so that's something you have, a physical object, and something you know, which is the bank pin. That's how you authenticate. There's also multi-factor authentication, which is very similar to 2FA, except you can include things like biometrics, which are like the fingerprint scans, your retina scans, your facial recognition, or voice recognition. So now an attacker with multifactor authentication is going to have to not only know the username and password, they'll probably have to intercept a TOTP key or possess a physical object like a YubiKey, as well as try and navigate the inheritance factor, which is your fingerprint or your retina or your voice or whatever. And they'll have to do that usually within a limited amount of time. And if they fail, they can only fail a certain amount of times. And, you know, all sorts of other factors. So, in short, use 2FA. It really, really makes it difficult for attackers to come after you, taking you out of the low-hanging fruit category. And if you can, or if you're willing to, use multi-factor. I personally don't go toward the biometrics, because you can be compelled to use those to unlock devices, especially in, like, airports and things of that nature. Example, if you were and detained in an airport and your facial rec- rec- recognition is what's used to unlock your device, they can simply hold the phone at your face and unlock the device without your permission. So, even though it's great against attackers, it does have its drawbacks. I've provided links in the show notes to all of the different things talked about in the show, Bitwarden Key Pass XE, Yubikey, as well as some other information for things like the FIDO Alliance specifications and a guide on using two-factor authentication or two-step login. I imagine one day with all these different security layers that we're constantly employing to fight off attackers, we'll one day have like a thousand different measures that we'll have to employ. But I think it'll be okay just so long as we have an open standard as well as open technology and open software to support that technology. Because I truly believe nothing can innovate like open source. With more eyes, more minds, and more innovation all piled in on the same objective, we can't help but succeed. That or we'll throw the biggest failure party the world has ever seen. Alright ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for InfoSec the language of security. I'm um, some guy on the internet, also known as Scotty, doing the HPR news. I'll see you in the next episode. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, you can click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by an honesthost.com, the Internet Archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.